with a vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about anti-racism, addressing bias, and acknowledging quality of awareness in our counseling and supervision. Our discussion is stemmed from a video moving from cultural competence to anti-racism made available through the National Institute for Clinical Application of Behavioral Medicine, as well as an article available through PsychEd, How Do White Female Therapists Address Racism in Counseling? Heather, what do you notice when you're working with clients of color versus when you're working with white clients? Well, when I think about some differences, the thing I think of the most is that my white clients or my white supervisees very rarely bring it up. It's not a topic that they bring up naturally. Like it's not on the top of their mind. It's not a presenting concern. Right. Often with my clients of color, it does come up more um, organically in session, but it does usually tend to be something of content we're talking about. Do you think that and it's part of their everyday awareness. Yes. It's something that's woven into their worldview. Absolutely. Something that I notice, and I've really been thinking about it a lot in the last couple of weeks, I have very few clients of color and I've been asking myself why. I think part of that for me right now, not to say it's all of it, but part of it has to do with where my office is located. That's definitely a possibility. I also think, and I'm sure this is like any group that we would talk about, clients refer other clients. They might refer their friends, their neighbors. I know that I'm going to put more thought into it and continue to think about it. A good number of my clients are referred by people that they know, but also I wonder if it has to do with insurance panels, the kinds of people that I treat. Maybe also, and this is probably a whole different podcast, an acknowledgement within some different cultures about mental health. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, for many different systemic reasons, people of color aren't seeking out mental health counselors with the same uh, percentage. Right, or same frequency. Right, Right, frequency is a better word. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that happened to me that I don't mind sharing because I think it was a great learning experience is um, I don't know that I was even licensed yet. I might have been an intern and I had an African, African-American male client. He was probably about 35, 40, and I was probably maybe just 30. He sat down and we did our kind of intake stuff. And before we really got started, he goes, well, I just want to know how you and I are going to relate. Mm. And I was like frozen mm-hmm. for a moment. Yeah. And was like, well, I have this training. I, you know, right, like, sure. you I think I can do this. I think, I mean, I think at any point, that's a kind of a hard question for a counselor to field. But on paper, the two of you had a lot of differences in right. probably life experiences. Absolutely. He was a different point in his life. Mm-hmm. He was not a whole bunch older than me, but I think he had four children. His wife was in a doctorate program. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like he was at a different, like his kids were older. I had one child. I mean, it was just a very different Sure. Man ver- versus male women. versus female. Right. And, black versus white. Right. So a lot of reasons why many people might have have thought the two of you would not have had similar experiences, would ha- maybe have differences in communication. I have also thought in relation to that I don't often have many clients of color, that when I do have clients of color, that then I get kind of a string of referrals from that same family or client, mm-hmm. that I have like little pockets of time within 
I don't know, six month period, right. maybe even families with the same type of presenting problem or concern right. that I get referrals from. And I wonder what I can attribute that to. If maybe that family's comfortable with me and they refer, or that family has other families or acquaintances or friends that are comfortable with them and trust their decision. And then that leads to right. those Could kinds of referrals. Could be all woven in and connected, definitely. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. maybe they've opened up and talked to family members or friends mm-hmm. about their experiences. And then they take like the edge off someone wanting to seek therapy. They Mm -hmm. maybe take that like, oh, well, if they did it, then we can. And Mm -hmm. maybe they're from like groups. Heather, where do you still need to grow or be challenged in your counseling and supervision related to anti-racism, bias, awareness? I think that's such an important question. I think that we all need to be challenged all the time um, to hold each other accountable, to not shy away from conversations. I think it's easy to be silent and it's much more bold to have a louder voice and to stand a little more firmly, intentionally Mm -hmm. against racism. It's very different than just being like culturally aware. Mm-hmm. I have been thinking, and this, it was mentioned in the video, which I really loved the video that we're referencing today. I have been thinking about my language, the way I teach in times when I have been a um, an instructor, right. but also a, totally applicable to supervision. Um, and the way that I might convey a mic- microaggression. And mm-hmm. I really want to ex- examine that. So okay. um, Heather, I, we've talked through this before. There was a point where I was teaching and a student was giving a case conceptualization. Yes. It, within their case conceptualization, you know, they're running down the, the bullet points I've asked everyone to go through. And they described that this was a 25-year-old male. He reported or described himself as having been very successful or um, accomplished in high school. He felt intelligent. He felt like he was a good student. Um, and then within her case conceptualization, she also described that at 25, he had not ever held a job. Oh, yes. I remember this. And my response was, oh, that's of note. That's important. And um, the student became really upset with me and was really direct in telling me that I was being racist or had a bias against this person's situation. I I mean, it clearly has stuck with me. I'm still thinking about it. The way that either I was teaching how to assess or or complete an intake or the way that I was asking students to give a case conceptualization? Did that create bias? Was Mm -hmm. there a disparity in the way that we were talking about clients, the language that I asked them to use? But from my perspective, when I said, this is of note, I was thinking, I don't know why, but someone who felt accomplished and successful and confident as a student did not continue after high school right? in in any way, in any form. And that as a 25-year-old male in the United States right now, what was it, what was he doing he, that he wasn't in school, he didn't hold a job, what what is the majority of his time Consume. taken up with? Right, right. And that it, through discussion with this student, I said, you know, it could mean he's got a health concern. It could mean he's a caretaker for someone in his family. Right, could mean lots of different. It could mean, I, I mean, anything. And that part of her response was, well, he told me in the intake that he deals drugs and that takes a skill. And I went, it does take a skill, right? Probably skills. I don't, I don't imagine that I have the skill to do right. that. Well, <laughs> maybe I could do it, but right. I don't think I would do it. I'd be successful at it in assuming that there was, I don't even know, maybe a negative reason for him not have, have having held a job and that I was being biased. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I think about it right. now still, um, and want to challenge myself to continue to think about the way that I teach or the way 
that I conceptualize clients and if there is potentially a bias there. Right. And I think it goes both ways. I think accountability is just the utmost important importance. Mm. But I also think maybe she was ready to see that you were that way. Does that make yeah, sense? Sure. I think I know we've talked about it before, but I do think that it's there it can go both ways. Right. Well, and I want to be open to that too, that in that situation, given my circumstances and the role that I played, I did not ask her to reflect on her own experience or her own perception of even our conversation. Right. I didn't ask her to do that. And so I would love that to be a part of how I challenge myself. Absolutely. That I challenge myself not just to examine my own perspective, but that I feel like I can challenge other people to examine their perspective I love as well. That. Our next question is, if you feel like you are marginalized in some way, do you think this has helped or hindered your counseling in relation to race or racism? I think it has helped. It develops some kind of, like if you've been hurt before or if you felt that you've been thought as lesser than, mm-hmm. then you can relate somewhat. I think it can well, also cause some the, kind of naiveness. In, in this situation, you. Oh yeah, me so personally. Have you, do you, feel, girl. <laughs> do you feel like you're marginalized and has it either helped or hindered either way? I don't really feel like I have had that experience where I'm necessarily marginalized. I have been in a situation where I've been the only female in a room mm-hmm. and had to maybe stand stronger and bolder. Right. So but, maybe for you in this situation, the first half of the question is, no, I don't really right. feel marginalized. And then do you think that that has helped or hindered counseling or supervision? I think that it has probably hindered the experience where I don't know what that's like day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And I think at the same time, if you can't relate to your client at all and what their experience has been, you've got to go a lot deeper. I mean, I also think about counseling from the perspective of or with the idea that I do not know anyone else's specific circumstances. So I wonder, Heather, if you feel like because you know that you don't feel like you're part of a marginalized group, that then it begs of you or calls you to be more open. That's probably true. Be more receptive to, well, you tell me what that what marginalization marginalization feels like Mm -hmm. because I don't know. I bet you're right. Deeper thoughts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For me, I I think this is tricky or complicated for me. I do think in some ways I am marginalized and I also feel like my experience as being marginalized is also my experience of having been told that I'm not marginalized. Uh Okay. So I do and I don't understand that. Mm -hmm. So I think that in some cases it's been helpful and probably in some cases it's been hurtful. Right. That if I were to say or communicate in some way to someone to a client or a supervisee that I feel marginalized I think that there would be some clients or supervisees who would pr- maybe quickly think no you don't right that's not no, or, no you, you don't get you on know. that yeah right. you do, not not you <laughs> right and and so I think that that's a tricky place so mm-hmm. I think then it causes me to even right now I'm doing it mm-hmm. tiptoe right. be really careful with my words and I was think well tightrope walking <laughs> mm-hmm, that I then I don't always communicate to people that there's a part of me that feels marginalized and that sometimes I do communicate that, but I think it's complicated and tricky to know how and when to use that for myself. And maybe that's just another spot where we look at how we grow. Mm-hmm. Like going back to my previous story when I was teaching, in that conversation, the student who was getting more upset said something to the effect of, you don't know. Mm. And all I said back to her was, how do you know I don't know? Right. Just like, that one state. Jumping off point. <laughs> well, I mean, that continued, that conversation, that little tiny statement continued that conversation with that student for a long 
long time. I don't know. It, it, that's even a good example of did it help or hinder that specific situation? I did call her out a little bit mm -hmm. and say, hey, you need to examine what you're putting on, what perception you're putting on me. Also, in some ways, I wonder if it got in the way of discussing what maybe was central to that discussion right. is case conceptualization and how we were doing that with each other. I don't know. Um, Heather, what do you need from other counselors or supervisors in order to continue addressing racism and, and your counseling and supervision? I don't know that I said that kind of a funny That's way. Okay. I need conversation. Colleagues that are willing to talk about those things that don't mm -hmm. shy away from it, that um, encourage me to have a voice and not be silent. Taking a, a stronger side, I think that's what I need. I need support in taking a um, stronger step in that in that arena. What about you? I thought openness and feedback when I read that question. I want other people to be willing to be open and vulnerable. With you. With, I mean, talking about it. Right. Like even having a colleague who's willing to consult with me on things like this oh, and yes. not kind of go like shy away or right, right. make the concern something other than anti-racism. Right. But also feedback. Like if I want to examine why do I have few clients of color mm -hmm. or am I teaching or case conceptualizing in a way that's potentially biased or involves some racism? I want someone to ask me those questions Absolutely. or um, at least make me think about those things. Right. I thought of an example. At one point going through school, I was a handful of different times involved in different studies, research projects, oh, right. yeah. Any writing articles, right, right. things uh -huh. like that. And in one of the projects I was involved in, the focus was race and the disparity between races. Okay. And I felt like it was another example of, well, you don't really count, Sarah. Ah. And that person that I was working with was really not open to the discussion or feedback. Right. Which is sad because that could have been a very big growing moment for both mm -hmm. of you. At the time, again, in my role in that situation, I felt like that's not something I can address right now. I tried. They let me know they're not open to that right now. I just need to swallow that mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. I hope that I'm never that person that for shucks. my yes. counselors, for my clients, or for my supervisees, right. that they get the feeling, well, Sarah's not open to that conversation right, right now. So the feedback and also the willingness to try, the willingness to have a conversation, openness and willingness right. to have a conversation. I really love that. I really love, I mean, we speak of the same things, but I really love that you're able to have that perspective and go, when I'm in that role, I want it different for my supervisees or for mm -hmm. my students. It's a really great perspective. All of this discussion makes me think it's sometimes really tiring and hard and uh, vulnerable Yes. to lean in. And I think even that is part of what I'm saying is everybody's experience to different, to varying degrees and for different reasons that making a change, making this better means being vulnerable. Thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.